Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. He wrote those things to help them to understand more completely that that call of the Christian life, the call of the Christian life and the humility that, that each one of us should be walking in. And he's talking to a church that's, that's really building up in pride and ego. He wanted them to have that heart that, that's tender toward other people, to, to understand also the importance of the leadership of God that he's placed them under. In today's message, Pastor David continues his study of Paul's intervention into the conflicts that existed within the Corinthian church. Paul desired to see the Christians treat each other with love and humility rather than pride and arrogance. The Corinthian church members were creating division over opinions and preferences. The church then had many of the same issues we have today. We must keep our focus upon God because God gives us what brings us together. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Dealing with Pride. But I think that Paul was kind of like blown away at that point in time. He had poured so much into that ministry, and now it just seemed like they had so much going for him, and yet they're kind of just imploding from the inside out, just destroying themselves. So when that personal report comes, again, that's why Paul's speaking the way that he's speaking. Now, Paul wrote several letters to to several different churches. That's what we see within the New Testament. Some of those letters we we don't have, but we know that there were other letters that were written just because they're referred to within the New Testament. But in these other letters, Paul's writing wasn't in that sarcastic kind of format that he uses here in Corinth, Uh, at least not as much as he's sharing here. So after stating this this rather obvious uh, uh, sarcastic statements, Paul moves on to a very personal way to kind of share with the church not only his past situation, but his current situation. As you read this, it's really easy to have sympathy for Paul in, in the midst of all of this. You need to understand, though, that he's not saying these things to gain sympathy, He's not saying these things in pride or in bragging or any kind of an ego trip. Yet, if anybody had anything to brag about, it'd be Paul. He's just stating the facts. He's coming up to people who are saying that we have arrived. He's saying, you know what? You guys say you're all this. Let me just share a little bit of my life. And hopefully they could see that they weren't all that. Paul says, In verse 11, just kind of put yourself in in that situation as Paul writes. He says, to this present hour, we both hunger and thirst. 
We're poorly clothed, we're, we're beaten, and we're homeless. We labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We've been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. Can you just imagine Paul as he's writing these things? I would, I would believe, and maybe it's my flesh coming out, but I would believe that at one moment there'd be some anger there. Maybe that's where some of the sarcasm came out, okay? Let's just say Paul is human. Not that it's sinning what he wrote, but it's just telling it like it is. And then there's other times, man, you just see the softness of the guy's heart. He says, man, we've been through all this stuff. We've been reviled, but we bless. We've been persecuted, but we endure. We've been defamed, but we continue to entreat. We've been made like the filth of the world. You can just see his heart, man, as, as he's poured his life out into that church. Now he sees his church going completely off track. And he wants to get them right again. He wants to get them right before the Lord. He wants to get them right according to what he knows that they know. They'd gotten so far away from the truth, so far away from what Paul had poured into their lives. And again, he didn't say these things to get sympathy. Nor I, I don't think that Paul would have chosen any other path for his life other than doing what God had called him to do, to serve as a missionary, to to go and travel all these lands, to spend that time. Would he choose to be in jail? No, I don't think anybody would choose to be in jail. Would he choose to be beaten? No, that'd be ridiculous. But you know what? Sometimes when you choose to follow Jesus, the way to follow him leads through beatings or imprisonments. It leads through the, the situation where, where people are going to talk bad about you and people are going to slander and, and, uh, you in, in different ways and uh, lie about you and reject you. You don't choose to be rejected. You don't choose to be slandered. Well, sometimes when you choose to follow Jesus and following the very thing that he's called you to do, the world's going to attack in every way that it can. Paul understands that. And he says, but I'm not going to back off of that. Yeah, all this stuff has happened, man. We're, we're, we're beaten, we're homeless, we're thirsty, we're hungry. We're going to keep going. David Wilkerson, many of you know David Wilkerson. If you remember back years ago, the cross and the switchblade, David Wilkerson is also the one who started the, the ministry teen challenge. David Wilkerson, before his death, wrote, As I walk back over 50 years of ministry, I recall innumerable tests, trials, and times of crushing pain. But through it all, the Lord has proven faithful, loving, and totally true to all of his promises. There's no doubt that ministry during Paul's day was different than it is today. There's, there's no doubt that ministry in our Western culture is different than it was in the Eastern culture of the first century. Pastoring a church here in the 21st century and in Western culture with relative freedom uh, from, from any kind of persecution, that, that's completely different from those even right now that are serving in areas that because they would try to pastor a church that they'd be arrested or, or beaten or martyred because of their stand for Christ. I understand that. And yet Christian ministry, 
even in the Western culture, even in the freedoms that we have, it has its own issues. It has its own difficulties. Tom Rayner is the president. He's the CEO of Lifeway Christian Resources. Prior to being with Lifeway, he was with the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He founded the Billy Graham School of Missions and Evangelism there at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. On top of that, he writes these regular blogs, primarily pointed toward ministers, some uh, pastors and those serving in the ministry. A lot of good stuff. One of those blogs that I read recently, actually he wrote it a few years ago, but it came to my attention just recently. It talked about eight areas of modern day struggle for pastors and ministry leaders. Now, when I see a little headline like that, that usually gets my attention. I think, only eight? So, <laughs> so I looked at it, and, and as I read it, I thought, man, you know, that's, that's pretty well right on. Personally, I don't know of any pastor that doesn't suffer from at least two or three of these eight that he shares. Rayner wrote this. He says, before me are handwritten notes that I took over a few weeks from various social media interactions, emails, and a few phone calls. The total is nearly 200 separate communications to me. I kept a record of them for one simple reason. I wanted to identify the greatest pain points of pastors and ministers today. He says, in many ways, there's no surprises. Indeed, I doubt most of you will be surprised at my findings. If nothing else, it's a good reminder of how we can help our pastors and how we can pray for them. Of course, you'll quickly see that they're not mutually exclusive, but they're listed in the order of frequency I noted. The first one, the first, again, struggle for pastors and ministry leaders, he says, is criticism and conflict. He says, I do have a few observations about this number one issue. First, it seems to be growing. Pastors seem to be experiencing greater challenges. Second, most of the issues of conflict are not doctrinal issues. Indeed, most are trivial issues. And finally, very few pastors are equipped or trained to deal with the steady stream of critics and crises. It's interesting, just this week, in fact, it was just this morning, I was talking with uh, one of the brothers from our fellowship here, and we were talking about another situation here in town, relatively new church that is actually a split off of an existing church here in town. And we started talking about this deal of church splits. And I shared with him something that you may, you may not know. But did you know that most church splits do not happen over doctrinal issues? They, they split over a, a ton of other things other than doctrinal issues. Music style, leadership decisions and choices, colors of the building, <laughs> building designs, all kinds of crazy, crazy stuff. And usually it's uh, someone within the leadership that gets a burr under their saddle and uh, they start talking with other people within the fellowship. Well, yeah, we're upset too. Well, man, we ought to go and we ought to go do something. And so suddenly the, the church is split. He, he asked me this morning, he says, have Calvary ever split? I said, not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. We've had individuals and peoples and families leave through the years, but not necessarily in any big mass migration of things. And I I simply praise God for that in, in that situation. But I know that it's happened to multiple churches here in town. Rainer says that the second 
biggest problem, conflict for pastors, is family problems. Many pastors struggle with expectations by church members of their spouses or children. Others struggle with finding time for their families. And many pastors' families struggle with the glass house syndrome. You know, the glass house syndrome. Everybody knows what the pastor's family is doing, when they're doing it, and where they're doing it. Well, praise God, we started the, the, the ministry for us here. Our children were almost grown. My daughter was uh, just coming into high school, and our son had already graduated high school and was going off to college. But my heart goes out to those pastors who have young children, and they're raising the children in the church because everybody knows who's the pastor's kids, right? And uh, they, they, number one, they can't get away with anything, and everybody hears about what they did do. Give Pastor Allen's kids a break, okay? Uh, he's, he's the one here with... With the young kids, finding finding time for each other. You know, again, ministry becomes something can be all consuming. Time wise, uh, not only do you spend the the normal time of uh, ministry time, but then there's also calls during the evenings and the weekends, different things. And so, who takes the uh, brunt of the abuse of that? Not the pastor. He gets all the accolades. And, hey, man, we're so glad, man. You, you're the best pastor we've ever had ever. You know, the one that takes the brunt of that is his wife or his family. That they're, they're just left in the background waiting until he has time to spend with them. Praise God, we're going to have our 44th anniversary tomorrow. Amen. Don't call me tomorrow, okay? <laughs> Applaud Tot. She's the one that's had to put up with all of this. Number three problem is stress. I don't have any stress. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> he says the pastor's life is one of emotional highs and lows. It includes critics and adoring fans. Expectations from church members can be unreasonable. The very nature of a pastor's call into ministry can lend itself to seemingly unending stress. I shared with you, I think it was, wasn't it last Wednesday, I shared about the conflict that someone had, and he said, man, you know, this church has been horrible for us, and we're gone. And I, I think that I shared, and if I didn't share with you last week, I needed to share, that within this same week, I had had like four different people, four different families come up and say, man, this is the best church we've ever been in, man, this, this is awesome, we, we love this place. So, but you know, the problem problem is, is pastors aren't much different than anybody else. You can get 10 great words of, hey, attaboys and how great everything is, but the one that you remember the most is the one that comes in and it says, man, this place stinks. That's the one you remember most. And it just happens. It just weighs on you. That's not one that I deal with. But anyway, it's telling the truth. That's what I do. Uh, the fourth one that he says, let me move on here, Deep, because this really isn't the focus uh, of the message, but I thought it was worthwhile to look at. The, the fourth issue that Rainer says is a situation with many pastors is depression. Depression. Uh, every time I write about this topic, I, I hear from countless pastors and staff, depression is pervasive in pastoral ministry, and it is often the secret problem the secret problem, because way too many times we as pastors, we can put on the face when we need to, and then in, in, in the darkness and the aloneness at home, that's when the weight comes. I've shared with you guys, I've tried to be as, as op, uh, not as opaque, as, as transparent as possible <laughs> with you. That's a Freudian slip if I've ever heard one. I've tried to be as, as transparent with you as possible. There, there's been many times through the years that on Monday I wrote out the resignation. You know, it's just like, phew, man, I'm done with this thing. 
thing. But praise God, by, by about Wednesday afternoon, I threw it away and we got on with business. There's times that, man, you, you get all the great things because you see a ministry that's going well and you get people that are so glad to be a part and it makes you feel really good. But then there's other issues, issues of life, issues of family, issues of health, issues of economy, all kinds of things that come against you. And you just wonder, wow, am I really doing the right thing? I, I don't know of too many pastors. There may be a few around that have said, I've never doubted my call. But most of the pastors that I know, there's this continual thing. Man, Lord, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Praise God, for most of them, the Lord comes back and says, yes, now just get back in there. Just get back in there and do it. The fifth thing, real quick, burnout. Local church ministry can attract two broad types of persons, the lazy and the workaholic. Accountability is often low, And it can be easy to get away with just little work or to work 70 plus hours a week. And as Rainer says, he says, I see more of the latter, those that overwork, than of the former, the lazy ones. Uh, Number six, sexual problems. These problems are most often in one of two categories, pornography or marital unfaithfulness. You think, well, a pastor wouldn't suffer or, or deal with pornography. Oh, yeah, it's just right out there. As a matter of fact, I've personally known way too many pastors who've either stepped out of ministry or stepped away from ministry for a season due to these kinds of issues. Number seven, financial problems. Most of the, and I love what he says here, most of the world hears about the few pastors that make huge salaries, you know. He says the reality is the majority of pastors struggle financially. I, I praise God for our board that they're taking care of us and they're doing a great job on that, so... Uh, And number eight, the last one, time management. Expectations of pastors can be unrealistic. Pastors are often expected to attend multiple meetings, visit countless congregants, prepare sermons with excellence to provide ongoing strategic leadership, to conduct weddings and funerals, and be involved in the community. Many pastors don't know how or when to say no. You can ask my wife. I have that problem way too many times. And many are not good at delegating, and they really don't have anyone who can handle some of their responsibilities. Lack of delegation is one of the downfalls I had for years. I just praise God right now that he's brought men like Robert and Alan and some of our elders that are taking on some of those things because, again, I was that guy for a long time. Rainer continues. He, he ends it up here. He says, most pastors love their callings. Most pastors enjoy most of what they do in ministry. And most pastors wouldn't change their role if they could. Still, many pastors have ongoing challenges and struggles. But you know what? Never been beaten because I've shared Christ. I've never been threatened to be thrown in jail because of witnessing to somebody. They, they've never tried to close the church down or, or cause any big conflict because of what we do. And yet that was the kind of stuff that the Apostle Paul faced continually. Continually. Every, every city that he went into, there was a conflict. Remember, he had there were, the two great battles that he fought, the, the, the physical battles that came into play, were, were the Jewish leaders that were so against Christianity and the teachings of Christ, and the Romans. And the Romans didn't like them because they said that the Christians are pagans. Catch that, you know? They said that the Christians were pagans. Because we only believed in one God rather than the multiple of gods that the Romans believed in. 
And so the Romans didn't like the Christians, the Jews didn't like the Christians, and whenever Paul would go into a community and start sharing the faith and the hope of the gospel, the Jewish leaders would rise up, and if the Jewish leaders didn't rise up, the Romans would rise up. And so this was the conflict that he had everywhere he went. Most of us would take our ball and go home. But Paul says, no, this is what God has called me to do, and I continue to do it. And so he shares this with the church there at Corinth. Again, not to solicit sorrow or try to instill shame uh, on them about uh, you know, how he's been treated. He wrote those things to help them to understand more completely that, that call of the Christian life. The call of the Christian life and the humility that, that each one of us should be walking in. And he's talking to a church that's, that's really building up in pride and ego. He wanted them to have that heart that's tender toward other people, to understand also the importance of the leadership of God that he's placed them under, that God has placed leadership within that church that they ought to, again, submit to. Paul's life was sold out for Jesus. And if all men rejected him and rejected his message, Paul was intent to continue on in his journey, continue on preaching the gospel. Look what he says here in verse 14. Verse 14, he says, I don't write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. In other words, Paul was the one that pioneered that church. Paul was the one that came to Corinth, started that church, started it very small, and again, just continued to pour his life into them. And apparently there was some sort of disdain against Paul, even against those that perhaps Paul had even led to the Lord during his time there. Some of those that Paul had mentored and and discipled and encouraged. So again, the, the, the student now has risen above the teacher in that kind of concept, that kind of a mindset. They've outgrown their need for the apostle. So in verse 16, he says, therefore I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I left Timothy to you, who is my beloved and, and faithful son in the Lord who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. You see, Paul's message didn't change from one place to another. And he was sending Timothy there to, again, continue to encourage them. No, here's here's the teaching that Paul continues to give. This is the direction, this is the the understanding that we have of the message of the gospel. Paul wasn't perfect, but yet he told them, imitate me. What does he mean by that, to imitate me? I believe, again, that idea, that self-sacrificial idea, that humility that he had, even with the position that, and the authority that he had, he continued to walk in humility toward others. And I'm sure that if Paul was pressed to the point, he would have probably agreed that, man, I want them to imitate me in this zeal, in this love for the Lord. I believe that that's probably part of it, but I believe more than anything, because of the context here, It's dealing with this idea of humility. And again, the love and the care and the concern for everybody regardless. Paul wasn't perfect. He didn't consider himself perfect. He didn't consider that he had even obtained some high situation in life. He he says elsewhere, he says, man, I don't count that I've apprehended it. That's one thing I do. I, I continue to press forward. I continue to move forward.
are so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a home church and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to theopenword.com and following the links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word. Hey, I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, and God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 1 Corinthians, right here on The Open Word.